You're listening to the Colonial Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast in Kingsport, Tennessee. We are a community committed to prayer, radical hospitality, and intentional invitation. Our sermon text this morning comes from the book of Colossians. Listen for God's word for you. May you be strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, neither thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things. And in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things. Whether on earth or in heaven by making peace through the blood of his cross. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Over the past about two and a half years, I've realized that Everly's birth has led to quite a few things ending in my life that I previously took for granted. It's kind of crazy to look back at these changes. They happen virtually overnight. And quite a few of these things, they just ended all at once, didn't give me notice, it just happened. Being able to sleep in, over. This one drives me crazy. Being, being able to simply hop in a car quickly, <laughs> over. Being able to have a deep conversation at dinner without a toddler interrupting or, even better, just telling us to be quiet. over. And by far, here's the worst, being able to go to the bathroom in peace and quiet (laughs) without a toddler needing to be in there with me, over. (laughs) I didn't get any notice about that, it just happened. Over the past 12 weeks, we've explored our theme of what disciples do. Today is the final Sunday of our sermon and small group series. We have come to the end. But today is also the last Sunday of the church year. You see, there are multiple things ending all at once. The church year, it's something that we follow. It begins in the season of Advent, which will start next Sunday. Next comes Epiphany, then Lent, then Holy Week, then Easter, then Pentecost, And then a long period of time, I kid you not, that we just call ordinary time. 
The final Sunday in the church year is today, and it is called the Reign of Christ Sunday, or as it says on the screen, Christ the King Sunday. And so when things are coming to an end, kind of like New Year's Eve, it is important to look back at the journey we've been through together to take stock of what we learned and prepare for the next steps, not only this church year, but this series. So over the past 12 weeks, we've learned that disciples take their faith seriously. It's not just about going through the motions or the rituals. It's about diving deep and fully inhabiting our faith. We've learned that disciples seek people. It's about sharing our faith with integrity and passion. We've learned that disciples resist greed. We've learned about Jesus' harsh words against materialism. We've learned that disciples practice generosity, where we can show the world where our true treasure lies and that we can live generous lives. We've learned that disciples pass their faith on to the next generation. It's about seeing all children as children of God and seeking to share your faith with them. We've learned that disciples make the best of Babylon when we heard from the prophet Jeremiah about learning to redeem the circumstances we find ourselves in. We could spend our lives complaining about our misfortunes and the things we can't change, or we can work here and now to see God's kingdom emerge in our lives. We've learned that disciples wrestle with God. We heard the story of Job. It's about seeing, or we heard the story about Jacob wrestling with an angelic figure. We learned that our faith is a work in progress. And that God is a God that is big enough to wrestle with us and handle our doubts. We've learned that disciples don't judge. We've learned that disciples affirm resurrection hope. We've learned to value our saints that have lived this life of faith before us. We've learned that as disciples, sometimes we just have to live by faith. And that's where a couple weeks ago we heard the story of Job. We saw his pain and his frustration. But we also saw his complete hope that God was with him and redeeming him. And last week we talked about taking our faith public. Disciples take their faith public. It's about seeing that faith can impact not only our private life, but our public lives. It's something that's not just reserved for our homes. It's something that affects every aspect of our lives and needs to be shared. That's the journey we've been on. We've learned this fall what disciples do, and it's coming to an end. We've experienced a church year together. We celebrated the birth of Jesus. We had a Mardi Gras party together on Fat Tuesday. We journeyed through Lent, Holy Week and Good Friday. We celebrated with joy Christ's resurrection on Easter Sunday and the birth of the church on Pentecost. And that journey, too, it's coming to an end today, only to be repeated again. We began this series together with this simple challenge. To remember that following Jesus was a process. It takes time, 
It has false starts. It has modest successes. It's not this linear line of improvement. We have times of refreshing, times when it's not easy, times when we can't know which way to turn, but ultimately when we take our faith seriously, we try to do what disciples do. And so that message that we began with 12 weeks ago, it comes full circle today. So in this passage we just read from Colossians, actually embedded within the text, starting at verse 15, there's a hymn. They might have sung it back then, we don't know, but a hymn doesn't necessarily mean it has to be sung. It's kind of like religious poetry. And there was this beautiful hymn, and the author of Colossians, who we assume to be Paul, isn't necessarily the one who wrote this. This was probably a pre-existing hymn that existed well before this letter was written. But I want to read it again for us because I think it's the crux of what we're going to talk about today. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or in earth, by making peace through the blood of his cross. They were just using this well-known hymn to help this early church understand who the person of Jesus was. To help the early church realize how unique this person, Jesus of Nazareth, really was. Jesus is an incredibly complex figure. And we only see him at times through very narrow, limited lenses. During this upcoming season of Advent, we tend to focus on the human nature of Jesus. After all, it is God-made flesh. The focus is on the innocence and the meekness of a young baby. There's that sense of excitement and expectation. Jesus seems especially near and close. There's familiarity and warmth and coziness around Advent and Christmas. And if you want to put a theological term on that, it'd be called low Christology. It means looking at Jesus through the lens of his humanity first. But in this hymn, this hymn from Colossians, the one read here on Christ the King Sunday, it's the other end of the spectrum. It's high Christology. It looks at Jesus through the lens of his divinity first. It focuses on his godliness and his divine role, his royal role that began in creation. Look at what that hymn says. He is the image of the invisible God. Everything you see, everything you don't see, everything in heaven and on earth were made in him. Thrones, rulers, powers, they're subject to him. Everything that exists is held together in him. 
He's the head of the church. He was the first to be resurrected. Everything that God is, it's in him. Through God, he's making things right. And it's being done in this most paradoxical way, through self-sacrificial love that led Jesus to die on a cross. It doesn't get much higher than that. There's no cute, cooing baby Jesus here, ready to be cuddled and loved. There is the infinite, timeless Jesus, the divine ruler, holding it all together. It's the royal Jesus, the ruler of earth. It's not soft and tender and mild. This is Jesus of power and might, the power to create, the power to sustain, the power to hold it all together, the power to make things right. There's a pattern in this hymn that's laid out for us. It begins with creation. We see Jesus there participating in creation. And next, we see Jesus is not only creating, Jesus is holding it all together. And finally, Jesus reconciles all things in heaven and on earth through his death on the cross. There is no aspect of human existence or creation itself that is not infinitely, intimately intertwined with Jesus. Because of that, Jesus must be seen and understood not just as a ruler of some, but as a ruler of all. Earlier in this passage, it's kind of subtle. I actually missed it the first time I read it. Paul uses this language to help us understand what it means to come under Jesus' rule. He says it's like being transferred from one kingdom to another. So if you would think about that from a Jewish perspective, his Jewish audience would have immediately remembered the stories of Israelites being taken from Jerusalem to Babylon as refugees. Becoming a disciple of Jesus is like that. You are transferred, you are moved, you are taken as a refugee from one kingdom to another, one ruler to another, one way of living to a completely different way of living. That's what it means for Jesus to be king. And that's the image we want to remind ourselves today on Reign of Christ Sunday. At the end of the year, we are reminded that Jesus Christ is the one who rules our lives and all lives. In many ways, that sounds a lot like where we began our study where we were challenged to take our faith seriously. So today, it is this place on the edge of high Christology, on the edge of low Christology between Christ the King and Advent, on the edge of Christ the King and Jesus the baby. This place is what I want us to explore today. It seems like most of the church year, we are content to live with a low Christology worldview. We see the teachings and actions of Jesus, and we see, in many ways, an idealized humanity, a lofty way to live up to. When Jesus stands in the synagogue and unrolls the scroll and reads from the prophets, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, 
because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to set and proclaim release of the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We see that Jesus and we identify with his mission. It inspires us to live like that. We see that Jesus and we feel the call to, as Thomas Akempis put it, to imitate him. In Advent, we really focus on expectation and hope. We anxiously await the Christ child. And it's all about the humanity of Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. In Lent, we see the suffering of Jesus and his journey to Jerusalem. We share in that journey by giving up something for Lent. We treat that season of time as one of solemn reflection. In many ways, Advent and Lent are identical seasons. They are each seasons of expectation and waiting, waiting for a transformational event to come. And when Easter finally comes, we get a momentary glimpse of that high Christology. And I think it's the unnatural nature of resurrection that forces us to deal in more concrete ways the actual divinity of Jesus. But soon we fall back to Jesus, the teacher. Jesus, the moral leader. Jesus, the prophet. Jesus, the rule breaker. Jesus, the inspirational leader. Jesus, the advocate of civil rights. And what's interesting to me is that, in many ways, modern Christians view Jesus through this lens of low Christology, emphasizing the humanity of Jesus. And viewing Jesus in this way is very inspiring. It moves us to action. We see Jesus. We want to imitate that. It provides us concrete things to do. We use his actions as a measuring stick, setting up for us an example of maybe how we should live. It's a pretty easy formula. See, Jesus behaved this way with social outcasts. Let's make sure we do the same thing with social outcasts. See, Jesus prioritized the poor and the marginalized in his ministry. Let's remind ourselves to look out for these people first. See, Jesus challenged the powerful and the corrupt. He spoke truth to power and demanded justice. Let's do the same. And there's nothing wrong with seeing Jesus this way and learning from Jesus in this way. Low Christology drives us to action. After all, isn't that the whole point of this sermon series? We want to do what disciples do. But I think what's difficult is that when we engage in high Christology, when we talk about the divinity of Jesus... In the same way that Colossians is talking about here, for some strange reason, when we talk about Jesus in that way, the Jesus that holds the whole world together, the Jesus that redeems the world, when we talk about Christ the King, often all we end up with is platitudes, overused phrases that don't really mean much and don't really drive us to do anything. Everything happens for a reason. 
He or she's in a better place. The Lord never gives more than they can handle. It's just God's will. Let go and let God. When God closes a door, somewhere he opens a window. Just give it over to the Lord. Or the one I imagine you've heard a lot recently. I know that whoever wins this election, God is still in charge. And the general idea behind these platitudes is that Jesus Christ is king and he's the one that holds the world together. But the problem is phrases like this are generally useless. I know Tom touched this on this briefly in his sermon on Job a couple weeks ago. Do you really want to say to someone grieving the tragic loss of a loved one, everything happens for a reason? Or it was just God's will? If Jesus truly is king, if Jesus truly holds all of this world together, if Jesus truly rules our lives, shouldn't it be more than just platitudes? Shouldn't that high Christology drive us to action? So when you find yourself anxious and worried, yes, remind yourself, remind others, Christ is king. And then ask yourself, what would that king have you do? Giving ultimate allegiance to Christ is not some passive submission followed by inaction. It is about allowing Christ to have first place in every decision, every choice, every aspect of your life. I read this story this week about a teacher who, while clearing out her attic, found a cross that she had purchased earlier that year. And it wasn't just a simple empty cross. It was a cross that actually had a small silver image of Jesus on the cross. So it was a crucifix. She took the cross out of her attic and put it on her desk uh, in her home for a few days. And after a while, like all of us, your desk begins piling up and you need to move things around. And so needing some space on her desk, she picked up the cross that was on the middle of her desk and just put it on a stack of bills in her checkbook on the side of the desk. She didn't really think about it at first. She just got on to doing whatever she needed to do. But later, she couldn't help but notice, there it is. It's this crucifix sitting on top of her bills and her checks. And she began to think, how should Jesus rule over my finances? What should I buy? What should I not buy? How much should I give away? And later, more papers accumulated on the desk. And so she needed to move the crucifix again and moved it over onto a stack of papers that she was going to grade for her students. She began to wonder, how should my faith in Christ impact my work? If her job was really under the rule of Christ, how should she treat her students, her colleagues? A few days later, the cross ended up on top of some recent photographs she had on her desk. It made her think about how faith, Christ's rule, should impact her relationships if her relationships were really under the cross of Jesus, what kind of wife, mother, friend, grandmother should she be? 
For weeks, she said the cross just lay on her desk and seemed to ask her on a daily basis, what difference does my faith make in my life? What impact does Christ being my king have on my finances, my job, my relationships, the entirety of my being? So today, at the end of the church year, at the end of our study, our challenge is to move beyond the platitudes. Stop talking about Jesus being in charge and do what that king would have us do. To ask, what would it mean for Jesus to truly be king in your life? If we've learned anything this fall, may it be that. To ask that question, to place the cross on the aspect of our lives and ask what those things should be under the rule of Christ. So may following that king, may being a disciple of Jesus Christ, the king, truly renovate our lives. Maybe we be moved as refugees from one nation to another. May it completely change our world. May we be challenged to take faith seriously, to seek people for Christ, to resist greed, to live generously, to take our faith home to our children, to make the best out of imperfect situations, to wrestle with God to refrain from judging others, to have hope in the resurrection, to live lives guided by faith, to take our faith public and share it with others, and to give ultimate allegiance to Christ. May we do what disciples do. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Colonial Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. For more information about our faith community, visit us online at chpres.org.